I am looking at my watch as I begin. I may or may not look at it again. Oh, well. Let's pray. Father, we are the people who sometimes mumble and grumble and complain and say, is the Lord among us or not? But mostly we know you're among us. We know you're here today. We know that you love each of us with an everlasting love. And so we will be listening for your voice now because you want to instruct us in how to live in really healthy ways with you. So take this time and build more healthy faith into each of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys, last weekend, I got to have a literal mountaintop experience. I might be taller than anybody else who used this. I got to go on a retreat last weekend. Uh, on or near a mountain, and there were some amazing people there, probably about 50 of us, many from this church, many from other churches, many unchurched, males, females. Um, and so I got to lead a few short discussions um, a few different times, and um, we talked about what are some ways that any of us who were there had had any history of religious experiences that had not been nurturing and healthy for us. And in fact, um, I, I have a book here called Toxic Faith. And so I shared with the folks some of the characteristics of toxic faith. And I'm just going to read a couple of them to you. This list has 21. By the way, if anybody ever wants to borrow this book from me, you're welcome to. But here are some characteristics of not healthy, toxic faith and religions. It includes beliefs like God's love and favor depend on my behavior. Material blessings are a sign of spiritual strength. I must not stop meeting other people's needs. If it's not in the Bible, it's not relevant. A strong faith will protect me from problems and pain. God hates sinners, is angry with me, and wants to punish me. More than anything else, God wants me to be happy. And then number 21 is... I can become God. So those are some of the toxic beliefs about God. And so we contrasted these toxic beliefs with the prayer that opens every New Testament letter. There are two things that Paul and the other letter writers wish to all the readers, that of course includes us, and they would be grace, and peace. So we defined grace in my most favorite way that I learned from Philip Yancey, and grace means there is nothing that I can do or say or be that can make God love me more than he loves me, and also there is nothing that I can do or say or be that will ever make God love me any less than he loves me. 
So grace is what we want to experience. First of all, grace from God, which we've already experienced. And then, of course, grace from each other also. So grace and peace are the two characteristics that are wished to us, are prayed for us in every one of the New Testament uh, letters. And so peace I took from what Jesus said in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus talked about peace as an inner rest of our spirits. It includes peace with God. It includes peace with each other. And it includes peace with ourselves. So in this wonderful group of people who came to these short meetings, I said, okay, we've talked about what toxic churches are like. So what are non-toxic churches like? And I immediately got three answers. The first one was acceptance. It just came out so quickly. Acceptance. Me, just as I am. You, just as you are. And I wish that I had been clever enough to work the next two into a B and a C, but I wasn't, so it doesn't matter. The second one was nurturing. And as we asked the person who had said that to explain that more, he said, that means we nurture, we care for, we do things for people within the church, but also people outside the church. We nurture people um, who have needs inside the church and outside the church. And the third item mentioned, and as I say, these came very quickly, was forgiveness. Forgiveness from God, forgiveness from each other, and forgiveness of ourselves by ourselves. And so that means that um, if I know that somebody has something against me, I do all that I can to be reconciled with that person quickly. And if I know that I have something against someone else, I do all that I can to be reconciled with that person quickly. So that's about forgiveness. Now, naturally, I can't improve on that list. Acceptance, nurturing, forgiveness. I can't improve on what um, Shannon and Caitlin just said about how we live because we're Christians. But I'm going to expand on them a little, and I have come up with a list of the characteristics of healthy faith. Now, I'm a recovering Presbyterian, and so I know that sermons should have three points. But here I am with eight points, and the first one is, <laughs> healthy faith focuses completely on God, not on who we want God to be or what we want him to do for us. So it focuses on God, not on any person or pastor or teacher or other leader. It focuses on God. How, you may ask, can we actually know what God is like? And having asked it, you already know the answer. 
Um, the philosopher Voltaire said, um, in the beginning God created man in his own image, and ever since man has been returning the compliment. That means we've been creating God in our own image, which means everything from the extreme of God is probably a white male Republican to another extreme of there's no such thing as sin and, you know, God doesn't care how we behave and everything in between. So where is the only reliable, authentic biography of God? That would be the Bible, exactly. Um, and so um, that is a profound truth of healthy faith, that God, as he really is, as we learn about him in the Bible, not as we've created him or other people have said what he's like, God loves us and actively seeks relationship with us, even if we are guilty of many sins. So we have no need to fear God or to misrepresent him. Point number two about healthy faith. Healthy faith grows and matures over time. We still, of course, believe Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But we also learn and believe so much more that's deeper and more current. So through Bible study, you've heard about a Bible study that's starting on Wednesday at 1130. Everybody would be so welcome to come to that. Through Bible study, prayer, interactions with other believers, our faith grows and matures. We're starting small groups. Everybody would be welcome to be part of a small group. We have Sunday school for all ages. Those are ways that our faith can grow and mature. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention another way that our faith grows and matures that none of us would choose. And that would be pain, painful life experiences, hardships. None of us would choose those. We don't like them. We don't like them for each other. But in the process of feeling the pain and still standing firm, we trust that God will see us through and reward us with even stronger faith. So each one of us could point to five people in this sanctuary that we have seen model this truth that pain produces character, which produces hope that's mentioned in Romans 5. Two of them were honoring at a tea today. That would be Hattie and Margie. And you can look around you and you can name three more so easily who have used their painful life experiences to grow in their walk with God. And so that is a way that we grow and mature in our faith. And by the way, while we're having this list of grace, and peace that are prayed for us in every New Testament letter, add hope. Because Romans 5 says hope does not disappoint. Item number three, healthy faith respects and accepts others, including ways, get ready, that they're different from us, ways that they're at different steps in their faith growth. We can disagree with other people but we don't have to fear them. Some of you have come to some of these listening sessions here at the church, and by the way, there are two more 
today at 1 and today at 2 that even if you haven't signed up for it, you would still be ready, welcome to come to. And so we've talked about our recent church history and some problems that we've had in the listening sessions. And different people are seeing things in different ways. Duh, big surprise. Because this church is not real big on conformity or uniformity. Um, I don't, I could list you some reasons why that is. We do, though, highly value unity. And of course, so does Jesus. But we don't seek to define truth and practice for others. We don't say you have to do this exactly the way I do, or exactly the way Peggy Kiefer does, or exactly the way somebody else does. This respect and acceptance that we practice here, you know what? It strongly attracts other people, not only to our church, but also to Jesus. Amen. Back to you. Um, so remember Healthy Faith 101, principle number one was we're focused on God as he is, not on me and my insecurities and my prejudices and my opinions, which leads us to healthy faith um, characteristic number four. In this healthy faith atmosphere of respect and acceptance, we are then free to serve God by serving others. I know you see how these principles are building on each other. I know you heard me just say, because of this um, atmosphere of respect and acceptance, then we can serve God by serving each other. So it's not like toxic faith rule that I read to you before that says, I must never stop meeting other people's needs. We're not compelled to serve in a, in a, a toxic way, but we're free to choose to serve out of gratitude to God, not obligation or fear. In the Philippians passage that Judy read, it says, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, and there is, any consolation from love, and there is, any sharing in the spirit, and there is, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind to serve each other. Healthy faith characteristic number five. Healthy faith reminds us how much God values each of us as individuals. Even though most of us will never be fashion models, we won't be star athletes, we probably don't have Swiss bank accounts, and I, for one, have never been invited to the dances that the Genius Club has. But still, we have an appropriate sense of self-worth because we, were, we realize that we were worth God sending his only son to die for us so that we could live with God forever. I'm saying God wouldn't have done that if we were trash. I'm saying God wouldn't have done that if we were just refuse. I'm saying each of us is powerfully valuable and important to God. And in Colossians 1, it says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. 
But now, think of that, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. We are truly treasured by God. Number six, healthy faith, because we are so valuable to God, gives us the courage to be real and therefore vulnerable with each other. This is the realness and the genuineness and the vulnerability that we are experiencing in these listening sessions, um, in small groups, in Kerygma Bible study, in adult Sunday school, in casual conversations with each other. When we grasp that God accepts and adores us just as we are, then our fear of being rejected by each other diminishes so that we're more open to trusting each other with who we really are. So I'm looking at you all now. I'm looking at, in the balcony. I'm looking in the back. I'm looking over here. I'm looking here. You know what? None of you look very scary to me. You just don't look scary to me. Even that cute boy over there in the navy blue shirt. You just don't look scary to me. Um, I can love you and serve you and serve together with you because you are a treasure to God. I can be in relationships with you instead of trying to keep a bunch of rules and conform in hope that you'll accept some phony version of me. We don't have to do that. Which leads to number seven. Healthy faith is non-judgmental. We healthy believers are so busy growing in our own relationship with God that we don't have time or the inclination to go around judging other people and where they are in their developing relationship with God. And so the message to that is beware of being or hanging around with polarizing people and influences, any claim that all right and good is on this side or that side or with that person or any of that kind of polarizing stuff. Beware of what we believe and especially beware of what we pass on to other people. Um, I've noticed that since the listening sessions started, we are having fewer, what I heard somebody once talk, parking lot griping sessions than we might have been having before. We're talking to each other in listening sessions, and so there's no need to go and hang out in the parking lot and go, oh, did you hear this? Oh, did you hear that? Um, we, everybody is being valued and heard in these listening sessions. Finally, that would be number eight. Healthy faith is balanced. That means that it includes family and friends and church. It includes hobbies and novels and movies 
and Bible study. It includes enjoying camping and organizing a $5,000 rummage sale. It includes relaxation, recreation, and service to others. Healthy faith is not frantic. There's much less of this either or, us versus them, all or nothing thinking. We stay away from unhelpful labels like liberal, conservative, right wing, left wing, pro-Scott, anti-Marian, pro-Peggy, anti-Dave. We don't do that. Um, so we can accept that each person that we know, every one of them, every one of you and me, has some wonderful positive traits and some others that aren't so wonderful. And we don't get undone by that and we don't fall off our chairs because there is both good and not so good in each one of us. We let God model accepting each of us as we are. So in a balanced, healthy faith, when there are conflicts, you notice I didn't say if, when there are conflicts, as there are in every family and every church, we um, get them resolved more quickly, more easily, and more thoroughly. So those are eight characteristics of healthy faith, which is what we are promoting here at the First Baptist Church of Salt Lake City. In that wonderful opening Exodus passage that Judy read, the last line was they had built a, a memorial, and the question was, is the Lord among us or not? And our Philippians passage, of course, gives the answer. The last line in the Philippians passage says, it is God who is at work in you, 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 me, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it is that very God who is among us and who is at work in us, who is leading us both individually and collectively into healthier faith. And so I say all glory to that God who is among us. Let's pray. Father, it makes all the difference in the world, literally, that we can know that you are among us and that you are willing and working your good pleasure in us. We seek to cooperate with you in that, and we trust you to show us ways that we can do it in healthier and more consistent and more balanced ways. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.